0: Hello and welcome to the Life in Church podcast. In this episode, we hear from David on the vision and heart for the Revive evening service and how this will change in the weeks ahead in order to create a space where people experience the power and miracles of the Lord. I am really excited to share tonight. Um, Tom and I have been chatting about Revive over the last few months. And um, we've been really listening and praying and seeking the Lord. And, you know, over the last few weeks in the build-up to Christmas, I've really found myself just being present, but really asking the Lord, what next? You know, what does God have store for, for this gathering on a Sunday night? You know, what does he want to do with this space? And um, so talking to Tom and chatting, I kind of put this together, I threw it over to Tom, and he's like, yeah, that sounds good to me. And so tonight I want to share what I feel the Lord wants to do. I think one of the things um, that I just felt the Holy Spirit say was that me and Tom should be kind of leading this side by side. And so going forward, that's what we're going to do. We're going to kind of work together on this, because Tom's been kind of plowing a furrow on his own in leading this as we've been kind of getting the church kind of back from COVID and all of that. And now it's time for us all to kind of gather around Tom and really push forward with what the vision he's cast for this and and also what the Lord is saying about 2023. So that's what we're going to do tonight. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 and 11 says this. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Tom, since launching Revive during the pandemic, um, has faithfully laid the foundation of Jesus Christ. He has um, built, he has pointed us every week to Jesus. He has invited us to connect with Jesus and his, the Holy Spirit in, the, in his presence in this place. You know, he has tirelessly, persistently pushed us to fix our eyes on Jesus and to be expectant of what God will do when we gather So I really want to honor Tom for for all his hard work. I couldn't quite believe it when I actually thought about the time this has been going. It's over two years now, isn't it? It's it's a long time, but it seems to have gone just like that. And um, so I really want to honor Tom in in all of his kind of teaching and vision so far. If you like, I feel that Tom has built us a firm foundation. You know, the foundations have been laid for Revive, and... um, and now, kind of, what does God want to build on it? And that's really what I want to talk about tonight, what I feel the Lord has been sharing with me about what he wants to build upon the foundation that Tom has laid in partnership with Jesus. So um, earlier in the passage, um, Paul writes this in Corinthians. "'What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? "'Only servants through whom you can, came to believe.'" As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. You know, Tom and the team who have been involved in Revive have just thrown out loads of seeds. Seeds have been sown in people who have come and gone, people who have stuck around, all the different lives that have been touched. Loads of seeds have been sown, and also kingdom seeds, kind of faithful kind of preachers that have spoke out the things that we really believe God wants to do. And seeds have been sown. And I just really believe that we are now, as a church, called to build upon and to water those seeds and to see them flourish and grow. You know, that is such a kingdom principle, isn't it? Some people sow others water others harvest and you know there is this principle where it's not just all on one person or one group of people to do everything um it's it's on all of us to do and play our part so it made me kind of think what what does it mean when paul says to water the seeds that have been sown you know what is he kind of saying because it's kind of quite a um, a kind of abstract sort of thought when you think around church and this kind of environment. And I kind of summarised it like this. I think it means that to water the, the seeds that have been sown is to do the things that Jesus tells us to do and to do them well. It's to say, like, okay, here's the foundation that's been built. What actually do you want us to build? And then as faithfully building it, that's what I believe it means to water the seeds. And so, again, tonight, what I want to do is talk about some quite specific things that I feel God wants to do with revive that He wants us to build and to focus upon in 2023 and probably beyond. I might start looking at my notes now, otherwise, I'll just go off on one. Um, the first thing that I really believe the Lord wants to do with revive is I believe He wants to create a space where the lost, those searching, can encounter Jesus. Where those searching for faith with questions who don't know Jesus can actually encounter Jesus for the first time. I really believe that this space here, this evening, is that space where we can create an atmosphere and an environment that is really welcoming and friendly and easy for people to access. And back during the pandemic, it was probably a few months into Revive kind of starting, and I think we had a few people dotted around at the time when everybody was about a million miles apart from everyone. Um, I stood at the back over there, and I was just, it was in worship, and I just closed my eyes, and I had a a picture, you know, a prophetic picture that I believe God just dropped into my mind. And I was stood up on the balcony up there, and um, I was looking down, and there was like just people flowing through the back doors, and, um, and just fill in the seats in the room. And I just remember chatting to the Lord about it and saying, you know, what's all that about? And um, and he just gave me a little, these are people who are searching for me. These are people who are searching for me. I'm just going to bring them in to revive. And that's just really stuck with me. And, and they, were, they were just flowing in, kind of excited to come, excited to encounter to the living God. and um, And that's just stuck with me. It stuck with me. And, and then, As I was just reflecting on this, it's just come back to think this is the time to really press into that and to believe and to to pray into seeing people come and and get saved. I think that's a bit of a glimpse of the future of what God wants to do. So what does it look like, if you like, to be ready to receive the lost? Because if somebody comes who's searching who's really searching for faith, who's searching for Jesus, has questions, it's on us to prepare ourselves to welcome them in and be ready to answer their questions, to help them to feel comfortable. So, so what does it mean to be ready? And I've got a few things I just wanna throw out there. First is, we need to pray for them. We need to pray for them. And when I mean pray for them, I don't just mean pray when they arrive, or, or I mean be praying for them. One of, the, um, one of the things that you often read about when you read about revivals and people, kind of many people come to faith is it always begins with prayer. It always begins with prayer. So we need to be praying. We need to be praying for people. And the second thing I believe we need to do as a, as a group of people who are kind of coming along to revive and a and part of this church is we need to maybe set aside some of our preferences. So that we can help people who are exploring faith. And I'll unpack that a little bit more in a while. And we also need to shape what we do. You know, maybe how we lay out our literature, what literature we have, you know, the words we use, you know, the little phrases that we just drop in that because we're so used to being around church that we just start using little phrases because it's like shorthand. But somebody coming who maybe has never been to church may not know, have a clue what we're talking about. And so we need to think around all of these things if we're going to be ready to welcome people who are searching for Jesus. So let's, but what about pray then? What should we pray about? And we're going to pray for this later on during worship. The first thing we need to pray for is a move of the Holy Spirit. And if you were here this morning, either at Marley Hill or here, um, you'll get the idea that we really feel that we want to press into the move of the Holy Spirit. We really believe in this season that we need to see the Holy Spirit move in and touching people's lives in just increasing increasing ways. It's the only way we see the kingdom extended. God grows his church, and we need the Holy Spirit to move. So we need to pray for the move of the Holy Spirit for revive. We need to be praying for that. We need to pray for the Holy Spirit to draw people. You know, it's the Holy Spirit that woos. I remember a story of a guy called Alex in Nottingham. He was in our life group for a little while. And um, one day he woke up in the morning. And um, he just had this little voice in his head that says, go to church, go to church, go to church, go to church. And it carried on for an hour and a half until he walked through the door of church in the Trent Vineyard in Nottingham. And then it stopped. Now, that's an extreme view. But, you know, we need to pray that the Holy Spirit would draw people to church, would draw people to this service, ready, to hear the gospel. And that's the third prayer. that The Holy Spirit would soften the hearts of those that come so that they might be ready to hear the gospel and to receive it. Fourthly, we need to be praying for this atmosphere, the, the kind of environment here. You know, we need to pray that um, it is such a kind of, the presence of God is so thick and so evident that people just surrender their lives to him. And then finally, we need to pray protection over these people. We we haven't even met them yet, but there's a battle going on for their souls, and we need to be praying protection over them, and that when they do come and come to faith, that they find a place to belong here at Life Inyard or in another church that they find more comfortable. You know, we want to pray. So we're going to be praying for them, and we're going to do that in a few minutes. Secondly, we need to think about how we prefer those exploring faith. Archbishop William Temple, you may have heard this quote said this the church exists primarily for the sake of those who are still outside it don't really like the language outside inside but basically what he means is the church is on mission and we are we exist for the benefit of those who are exploring faith and of course there's more to church than that but but there is a pride predominant mission that the church has been sent people sent people into the world to gather the lost and to see them come to know jesus and that sometimes requires us to let go of our preferences and we all have preferences but what i'm inviting and encouraging us all to do in the start of 2023 is actually put ourselves in the place of those searching those thinking shall i go to church and just see what it's all about hear a little bit more about this jesus what are their preferences how would they find it most comfortable how can we help them to feel at home and feel safe and be able to explore faith? I was, um, I became, a well, I didn't become a Christian actually at this point. I first went to church um, back in well, 1994, I think it was, somewhere around there. And um, it was the end of what they call in the church the Toronto Blessing, a big kind of move the Holy Spirit over in Canada. And um, it was popping up all over the place. And I went to this church, and I remember sitting in the congregation as a complete atheist, having never been to church before other than to drop my tin of beans off on at the kind of harvest festival with school. And, um, and at the end of the service, these guys came forward to the front. And it was like, they were falling over. You know, we know that when sometimes the Holy Spirit touches them, people fall over. Um, I had no idea what was going on. It was, it was, I just didn't get it, and um, and nobody explained it to me. There was no explanation, and I just remember thinking, I honestly, this is what I thought. I thought, why is somebody not calling an ambulance, and why is somebody waving their hand over this person's head? You know, it just, it just made no sense to somebody who. Wasn't even searching, was just there because I was trying to get this girl to go out with me. And, um, you know, that's, that was the reality of the situation. We need to think about that. We need to think about how we make this accessible to those searching. I'm going to come back to signs, wonders and miracles because what I'm not saying is we shouldn't press into those things. Quite the opposite. But we need to think about how we explain it, how we talk about it and how we make people feel welcome and actually prioritized in these meetings if they're searching for faith. You know, we're going to do all the usual things. We are going to worship. We believe in worship. We believe in coming into the presence of God in worship. We come to worship. That's what we do. That's an essential part of any service. We come to hear from the Bible, so we will teach the Bible. We might make the talks a little bit shorter, so they're a little bit easy to be accessible for people who are here for the first time. But we need to teach and unpack the Bible. We we are going to pray. But we need to think about everyone that, that comes in that maybe doesn't have a faith. And so maybe our talks will be a little shaped a little differently. Um, they probably will have more of a focus on sharing the gospel every week and from different angles and different aspects of the Bible, just so that no matter when somebody walks through the door who doesn't know the Lord, they will have a chance to respond to the gospel. And that's what we want to do at Revive every week so that's prioritizing people and praying for people but I want to just press into signs, wonders and miracles so we talked about this this morning so if you weren't here this morning I'd really encourage you to have a listen to the um, the talk my plan is uh, if you get the download the mobile app onto your phone um, I'm going to pop it onto the app tomorrow so that you can have a listen to Nick's talk from this morning on come Holy Spirit the first talk in the series and in that we really unpacked the fact that we want to really press into the Holy Spirit we believe that the Holy Spirit moving in our midst is the best thing that we can we can search for we can we, we can cry out for and see God move when um, I've read a few books in, in my time as a pastor and um, Never, Not completed as many as I've started, but um, but nonetheless, I've read quite a few books. And um, I've read quite a few books about how to create spaces for people who are searching. And often, what is taught is that you should strip out anything of the Holy Spirit, because it might be a bit strange. You know, I was kind of joking about this person falling over at the front, and um, but you know, I've never forgot it even though I didn't understand it. And, um, and, but the books kind of say, you know, strip it out, keep it dead simple, kind of short talks, easy worship, a little bit of prayer, and then some nice social time. But when you read the Bible, it says something a little different. So this is Paul again, in, again in 1 Corinthians. He says this, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. See, Paul understood, I'm sure he was an amazing preacher, probably much slicker than I'll ever be. (laughs) You know, he probably did have lots of wise and persuasive words. You know, we know he was a real, if you like, theologian of his time. He knew his stuff. So he's probably being a little bit humble here. But his point he's making is, doesn't matter how good the words are, how great a gospel presentation you give, you know, how well you unpack the scriptures. It's the power of the Holy Spirit moving that transforms people's hearts and minds. It's when people see a miracle or they experience the presence of God that there's a paradigm shift in their minds. It's no longer just somebody like me standing up and giving a talk. There is a living God on the move. Paul understood that. And again, this is Paul writing later on in 1 Corinthians in chapter 14. And he says this, So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers and unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your minds? And, you know, chapter 14 is a really interesting chapter to grapple with, and I haven't got time to unpack it tonight. But it talks, if you like, a bit about orderly worship and how we structure what we do so we don't kind of come across a bit weird unnecessarily. So if we all kind of speak it in tongues, which is a kind of a spiritual language that, that the Holy Spirit can give us, people won't understand what's going on. It goes on. But if an unbeliever or inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convinced, convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. As the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. I love that. You know, it's, you can't escape the fact that in the scriptures, Jesus' ministry, the ministry of the apostles and the early church, the teaching through, the word is always backed up with the demonstration of the power of God and that's how it's meant to be. And so to create an environment where people are coming and searching, is God real? Is God real? You know, does he care about my life? Does it, does it matter? You know, does it, is he care about my sickness or my depression or, or that that's really difficult situation over here or, or my future, does he have a plan? Is he actually close? Well, what's, is there any better way than experiencing his presence and his power in our lives. And so we want to create a space here at Revive where people experience the power and the miraculous of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit in this place. The people will walk through the door and be healed. And they may not even know the Lord. Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, I really believe we should be praying for that. We should be praying for that. So yes, we're going to make things as accessible as we can, but we're not going to take the advice of those books. We're going to take the advice of Paul, and we're going to press in to demonstrating the power of God and prophesying in this place, so that people's hearts may be laid bare, and that people might call out, "God is really among you." I have no idea where I am in my place. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think it's really important to be persistent. This is not like a, a magic bullet. I will start, I'll say this talk, and next week there's going to be 100 people filling this space or falling on their knees, giving their lives to Jesus. We, let's pray that that happens. That would be wonderful. But it might not. And um, I think we talked a little bit this morning, and I'm reading a book called Quest for the Radical Middle. And um, it's a story, history of the vineyard movement. And it's really interesting. I, I would, again, I'd really recommend, if you can get a copy off Amazon, have a read, because it's fascinating. It's a fascinating and honest story. And there's, it starts with John Wimber, basically not really wanting anything to do with the Holy Spirit, and um, not really wanting to get, he didn't really believe in healing. And, and God was so in his case that he, he ended up teaching for about six to 12 months every week on healing. And then praying. And you, they didn't see anyone healed. They didn't see anyone healed the church rank, and it was just really, really difficult. But they persisted. They persisted. And actually, within five years, I think it was, the church was 2,000 people. I think that's a message for us from the Lord for, as well for revive. We need to persist. We need to believe that this is what the Lord wants us to do. Create a space where people can encounter Jesus and give their lives to him for the first time. We need to keep praying. We need to keep seeking signs, wonders, and miracles, a move of the Holy Spirit. We need to keep pressing in, pressing in, pressing in. And never give up when we don't see what we hope to see first time round. So we need to pray for the lost, we need to prefer the lost and those exploring faith in what we do and say. We need to to press into the ministry of the Holy Spirit and step out in faith, expectant for signs, wonders and miracles. And then the final bit that I feel the Lord wants us to build here at Revive is authentic community. Um, Our hope and our prayer is that we will see people come in who are exploring faith. And they'll either give their lives to Jesus the first night they come, or they'll keep coming back until they do. That's kind of our prayer. And I think a big part of that is to create a welcoming, friendly, a really inclusive, authentic community here on a Sunday night. You know, We often kind of say the service is over when we're kind of finishing off praying for people and then people go off and do whatever, maybe stay for a coffee or go home. I kind of want to invite us to think that the service ends when the last person leaves the door. Because that 30, 45 minutes at the end of the service, when we get to have a coffee, chatting to people who maybe aren't Christians, who are exploring faith, who do have questions, actually that might be the time when you get to lead them to the Lord, get to answer their questions, get to pray with them. And so this bit at the end is going to be really, really important and it's going to help people feel at home. When we were in Nottingham at Trent Vineyard, our evening service um, was uh, fantastic and at the end we had something called after hours. And so basically we all kind of stopped, went to the bar, which Trent had a nice... Up a bar, got ourselves a beer, had some live music, somebody playing kind of guitar and singing some secular songs, it was just, and we all just sat down on sofas and just chilled and chatted and hung out. And it was brilliant. It was such a great place to invite friends to, to come to church and then have a drink afterwards and sit and just enjoy each other's company. People, they, they didn't get it, they'd never been to church like it. It was um, so different. And it would just be wonderful if we can create that atmosphere after the service here on a Sunday night. And if we can create a space that is surprising to people, that's disarming, that helps people to really explore questions, um, then that's what we'd love to do. And here's where maybe some of our preferences might need to be shaped a little bit. Because to make space for that, we need to just kind of shrink everything down. You know, we've had a lovely season of just really pressing into worship, of some wonderful kind of exegesis of the Bible and, and lots of really lovely ministry. But our plan is to, to keep the service to an hour. So it's gonna be an hour long. Notices, worship, talk, and then into ministry. And of course, if the Holy Spirit's doing amazing things across the room, we're not gonna say, sorry God, an hour's up, we're off to grab a beer. You know, we're going to keep pressing into that. But we're going to plan to create that space at the end. And we're also going to bring the start forward half an hour. So we're going to start at 7. We're going to finish at 8. And then we're going to have that 30, 40 minutes at the end where we can have this after hours time just to hang out with the people who come. And, and I really hope that, you know, yes, it might not be our absolute preference, although it might be. But for those that are coming for the first time, it could be a game changer for them, something they don't expect to find at church. And I think when we do the renovations next door, which start on the 30th of January, excited, um, and slightly trepidation, and um, that space is gonna be brilliant for an after hours space. So, but we'll, we'll kind of make do within here over the next few weeks. I need to come into land. How are we getting on? Is this making sense? Good stuff. You know, Tom has laid a really strong foundation for us to build on. You know, the, t- the worship team and everyone involved has created an expectation of the presence of God. We've got so much to work with. All we need to do now is just press into the next things that the Lord has for us reaching out, inviting the lost, creating a space that that is really accessible and build an authentic community. And if we can do that, I really do believe God will build his church. You know, Tom has planted, we're all called to water and God will build his church. And um, there's one thing I missed out. This is what happens when you don't follow your notes and you just waffle on. Um, One of the things we're going to do for Signs, Wonders, and Miracles is we're going to do every month a healing service. So on the first Sunday of the month, we're going to nail our colours to the mast, and we're going to invite anybody who is sick to come and receive prayer for healing. Now, you know, I'm not going to go on to a whole load of theology about the now and the not yet. We don't promise healing. We just invite people to come so that they can receive prayer. Some people are healed. Not everyone is. But we believe that God heals today. And we believe that healing and receiving something, encountering the power of God, can be an absolute game changer for people's faith. And so we want to create a space where we invite people to come, expectant to receive prayer for healing. So we're going to do that as well. Right. I think that's me.